0: You're listening to a River Life Fellowship message. We hope this message encourages you and enriches your life. For more information about us, visit us at RiverLifeFellowship.com.
1: Man, I think the Lord really has already spoken to me personally. And the words, the songs that we sing, and this dance they did—that was pretty powerful. Did y'all catch that? The words of that song, If We Are the Body, kind of deal. I'll just slide this deal over here. Well, amen. Lord, we just want to get real with you right now. Just get real. Uh, You know, um, just be honest with you, there's two Sundays a year that I really don't like to think about preaching on. One's Christmas, Christmas time Sunday, and Easter Sunday. Because you always. You know, a lot of pre- preachers probably really look forward to those Sundays because they have something to say about those particular days. Uh, um, but I really have a struggle with those particular days of really trying to have something that's, that's real. I mean, because you can... any Anybody who has preached much at all can come up with a message, honestly, and a good message. Um, it's hard to do that, though, if you really, you know, that's not really what you like to do, you know. <laughs> I don't like to do that. Um, so I had this big plan a few months, a couple of months ago. I thought, you know what, I'm going to do three Sundays. I'm going to do three Sundays. You know, you you know, you know, Easter Sunday, Palm Sunday, and Sunday before that. And then by Easter Sunday, I'll have everybody right where I want them. You know, I can really do it with the cross. And and then the Lord sort of messed all that up for me and, you know, <laughs> trapped me in John chapter 4, and I couldn't escape from it. So well. <laughs> felt, Lord, I can't get out of this John 4 thing. Let me out, please. Um, But I do, you know, and then I just sort of, Lord, you know, I'm just sort of prepping you. You will not get no typical Easter message, I guess, the bottom line is. So, but I'm going to give you what's on my heart, and I think I got something that's from the Lord this morning that I want to say, but it does kind of, you know, Easter's sort of in it. A little bit, anyway, but I'm not ignoring it. As Don, as Don Casperson shared Friday night on the B.C. comic, the guy was sitting there all sad, and the, and the guy said, what's wrong? And, well, the days, they, they killed the Lord today, and they call it Good Friday. You know, <laughs> it don't seem good. And the guy said, well, look at it like this. If you were scheduled to get crucified and somebody took your place, what would you say about that? You know? Yeah, it's good. It was a good it was a real good day. I thought that was a great cartoon. um so this is a great day, you know, in the church, um, resurrection day, and we really need to celebrate it. I think that's the truth. But so I want you to turn to Acts chapter one and doggone man, we gotta we gotta start some more churches with all these preachers around here. I mean, seriously. We gotta get get them guys out where they can preach on, you know, you got Matthew up here preaching, then you had Dean, you know, trying not to preach, <laughs> sliding his little preaching in, and then, then of course, Tommy Merva is a great evangelist, so we've got to get serious about this. Um, let me read Acts 1. Are you all good with me now? Yeah. Acts 1, 1 through 4. Hang with me this morning. Well, everybody just, just give me a chance, okay? Because I really do believe I want to say something that's really from the heart of the Lord. Uh, the former account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. There you go. There's your resurrection. <laughs> after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostle whom he had chosen, to whom he had also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the, uh, to the kingdom of God. And, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had, you know, and I'm not going to keep going on that. But anyways, this morning I have lost two things. I lost my belt, so I had to wear, wear a shirt that covers up the no belt. And I lost our microphone, uh, the handheld. So I'm thinking, man, I'm losing everything today. So whoever has that microphone, I want it back. If you need the belt, you can have it. And that's not it. Oh, so I'm laying on the back seat. Okay. All right, let me give you the big picture of the Jesus's... Now, I want to talk to you about Jesus' big picture. Okay? The big plan in the earth. Jesus' big plan. Okay? This is sort of the overview plan. Okay? Birth in Bethlehem. Jesus was born of a virgin, Mary, in Bethlehem. That's, that's how he came into the world. Emmanuel, God with us. All right, he lived for 30 years, virtually unknown as a man. A couple times, um, you know, he... he uh, man, I'm glad I got that thing. I found half of it. Yeah, you can have the belt. A couple times he shows up at 12 years old. Uh, you know, the things about his birth... Um, at the age of 30, his public ministry began, which lasted for approximately three years. Okay? This is Jesus on the earth. All right? At the age of 33, he was crucified on Preparation Day, which was Friday leading to Passover. And I think the Lord really wants to speak uh, to us about preparation. That was a real word I heard when we did the Passover about how much preparation it takes in it, that it took in the Bible to do a Passover. One of the things he said, you know, bringing this lamb into your house, this broken lamb to live for four days in your house. There's a lot of preparation on that. But I think we're in a preparation time right now. And I think we need to be real careful, and I'll bring that up more later, about, uh, you know, the day we're living in and what God is trying to do in people's lives is significant. But that was what happened. He was actually crucified on Friday. Uh, lead, you know, and that was the Jewish preparation day. That was the day they were preparing for the Passover, which was going to happen the next day. You with me? All right, then he was buried in a barred tomb. Remember, Joseph of Arimathea loaned a tomb to Jesus. And he basically spent three days in the grave. And then on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, while it was still dark, he rose from the dead. That's what the Bible says. And that's really the reason the church has chosen Sunday as a day to gather and celebrate. And really, what Amy was saying up here is really the truth. The church, you know, really church should be a celebration on Sunday morning. That's why, really why we should be gathering. Every, uh, you know, it should be a celebration each week as we come together as a body to celebrate the resurrection. I mean, if you think about it, that's really the truth. And that's why Sunday, uh, you know, you could pick another day of the week together, but it's, you know, all through the history of of israel and all through uh you know the history of the early church the church has always gathered together as a people it's part of god's plan it's for the people of god to gather together and celebrate god and hear god and and hear god corporally a very important part of our lives um and then he spent 40 days with his disciples after his resurrection that's that's what he did he hung out hung around with them for 40 40 days Okay? All right, now, in Acts 1, 9, we're not going to read that in Acts 2, 1, and verse 33, then He ascended to heaven. That's what He did next. Okay, He ascended to heaven. And then He uh, poured out the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And that's what it says in Acts 33, is Jesus Himself poured out the Holy Spirit. That's what, you know, the disciples said, Hey, man, this thing that you hear and see, which is in- interesting, they'd use language like that, you're hearing and seeing something. They were saying... This is what Jesus did. He poured this thing out, which was the Holy Spirit, and, um, and actually the result of that was the birth of the church. The church was born on Pentecost. Okay, so we see there's this big plan. Now, in Acts 1.1, I want you to notice the word. It said that the, uh, the word that Jesus began to do, both to do and teach. He began something. See, that's all it was. That word began is really important. He didn't end something. He began something. And I thought that was interesting. The song she was just dancing to, you know, if we are the hands of Jesus. You know, why aren't people being healed? If we're the mouth of Jesus, why aren't, isn't the Word of God really being proclaimed? It's really a profound song. Real challenging song. Real challenging. You know, what What Tommy was saying was challenging. You know, you know, we're supposed to be that sickle in the Lord's hand. Why, why aren't we? And... And, you know, because it only began that day. And we've got to see it was only a beginning what Jesus did. This whole thing I just showed you was just the beginning of His plan um, that it had. He had. the ha- He left it in the hands of the church to finish what He was doing and teaching. It's been left to us. It's been given. all the See, all these things I just showed you, they, they weren't the end. They were just the beginning. And He's left it up to us. He's put it in our hands to finish it. And it'll be finished when He returns. That's when it will all be be finished. It won't be finished until then. Are you all with me? All right, now turn over to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. This is, you know, just a powerful Scripture here. 1 Corinthians 15. And let me try to get you somewhere. Verse 45 through 47. These These are some, you know, these real basic Scriptures in the Bible that people don't understand that we really need to get get our hearts into and get our hands on. Um 1 Corinthians 15 uh, 45 through 47. And just hear me out just a little bit here cuz I really want I really want there's something I'm trying to get you to and I got to get this everything under you so you can understand what I'm really trying to say. And so it is written the first the first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and after the spiritual. The first man was the earth made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Did you get that? You get they were like two names or two titles given to Jesus. The last Adam and the second man. That's a hugely important. Theologically and doctrinally and usually really practically important that we really grasp that concept. A lot of people don't really even know that. A lot of people don't even think about things like that. But those kinds of things are in the Bible meant to affect us spiritually. And they can hugely affect us. It didn't say that Jesus was the second Adam and the last man. It said He was the last Adam and the second man. The last Adam relates to His death. You got that? The last Adam relates to His death. The second man relates to His resurrection. You got that? As the last Adam, which began at his birth, now that's why I was sort of trying to tell you a little bit of that history at his birth he that's when the last Adam stepped into the earth into the world at his birth, and it ended at his death. at that moment, the last Adam was dealt with, so in th- what what that means is that Jesus took all of Adam, all of who Adam and Adam was, and all that Adam would, would ever be upon himself on the cross and died, and when he did that. Adam died with him. That whole race of people that Adam represented represented, was wiped out, completely abolished, demolished from the face of the earth. Jesus did that. So Jesus became the very last Adam there ever was. There's no more Adam after Jesus in the truest spiritual sense. Okay, he wiped it out. All right, as the second man which began at his resurrection, and will never end, by the way. I mean, he will always be the second man. He arose as the head of a new race of people. Y'all got that? Now, this is... Well, oh, okay, yeah, uh-huh, we all know that. I'm telling you, this right here, if you can see revelation of this, this will profoundly affect your life. It will profoundly affect your life and change your life because this is really the gospel message. This is what makes the gospel work. It's is just little scriptures like that in the, in the Bible. You know, and you can go read Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8 and really get the, the full impact of these, these scriptures, which we really need to get revelation on them. But I wanted just to say that to you to kind of take you a step further. Let's turn to Romans 5, verse 14. And I want to just read one verse out of Romans. I'm not going to try to Romans 5, 6, 7, 8 you this morning. It would be hard to do a Romans 5, 6, 7, 8 this morning. There's a lot in there. Okay, this is what it says in Romans 5, 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a... Everybody say type. Who is a type of him who was to come. Now get this. Adam was a type of Jesus. He was a type. He was a model. I think the literal Greek word there was a foreshadow. Everybody know what a foreshadow is? The foreshadow is this. The sun's at your back. Guess what's in front of you? Yeah, your shadow's up there ahead of you. I mean, I remember the first time I ever sort of as a kid caught on with that, like, how did my shadow get there? You know, you think of your shadow being behind you. But if the sun's behind you, the shadow's going to be in front of you. And that's a picture of what Adam was. The shadow was there before the real thing. You got that? That's important, okay? He was there before the real thing got here. This is, so now, now turn to Genesis 2. Let's look at Genesis 2. And and once we get there, I'll tell you what I feel like the Lord wanted to say this morning. But you see, there is stuff about the resurrection here. Is that right? It really is. Okay, Genesis 2.21, this is about how uh, Eve Eve came into being. Y'all know who Eve is? The mother of all life what the Bible called her. Uh, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. Now remember, Adam's a forerunner. He got there by four He was a type. He was going through this experience. And he slept. Okay? And he, being God, took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. That's how women got here. Isn't that cool, man? Y'all should be gloating. Yeah, that's how you got here. You didn't come... I didn't come from you, you came from me. You know, but you get slapped down pretty quick on that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he brought her to man, and Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Okay, so that's, that's Eve. You kill a roach, good for you. So as Adam slept, as Adam was asleep, out of Adam came a woman. As he slept. You got that? As he was asleep, and God made a woman, took took part of him and made this woman from him. Uh, Adam was just foreshadowing what Jesus would do. It was a symbolic, this was symbolic, pointing to a greater truth. There's a greater truth in here I want you to see, okay? It's important you see it. Jesus slept for three days. Didn't we just go over that? How Jesus died. Okay, Jesus slept for three days in the grave, and out of him came, just as I read back in 1 Corinthians, a whole new race of people. As he slept in the grave and rose from the grave, there was a new race of people that came out of him, just, and this is a picture of it. You see, if you really start thinking about oh, there's all these pictures in the Bible of things that literally happened, but they were pointing to something greater. Are y'all with me so far? I'm, but we're not going, we're not finished going there yet. Alright, now go back to Acts. Acts 1, chapter 5. But I think that stuff is just so cool when we begin to see the Bible like that and begin to see that it's speaking things to us about, you know, what's really going on in the spiritual realm. Well, that was really the wrong reference. Man, how would I do that? Okay? It was actually John, I mean, Acts 1, 4, where it says they were, and I just read it, uh, being similar to God with him, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Okay? So, you see, up until that point, Jesus, you know, he was getting them ready. He was saying, I'm fixing to leave. I'm fixing to go to the Father, but you can't. You've got to stay here. I'm not finished. My work is not finished. Remember, I just gave you all the lists. You know, I've got a couple more things I need to do, is what he was saying. Okay? So, he's, you know, he spent 40 days getting ready to depart. Don't go. Uh, I'm not finished yet. See, here's the thing a second woman. Jesus was the second man, right? Remember what I just said? There was a second woman that had to be created. You got that? There was a second woman that had to be created because the first woman, Eve, when Jesus died on the cross because she came from Adam and all that Adam was was erased. It was wiped out. So there was this lack in the earth of this woman. Are you all with me on that? There was this, And I'm talking about a spiritual woman. I'm not talking about male, female, and you know, natural. I'm talking about there was, this, there was this need. And that's what Jesus was saying. Listen, there's a couple more things that's got to happen. I gotta, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to the Father. And then I'm going to pour the Spirit out. Okay? So you've got to stay here because this is real important if this happened. If, if you were a man and you were uh, you know, getting ready and somebody had to make sure the girl that you were going to marry was going to show up at this place because of you, being there, you would say, Listen, you've got to stay there because she's coming. You've got to make sure everything's okay with her, right? I mean, you'd be, if you was a young guy, you would. You might be old now and thinking, like, you know, I'm, you know, over all that. But if you was a young guy and you had this girl coming and you had to depend on somebody else to make sure she was okay, make sure she was taken care of, you would give some real clear instructions about it, wouldn't you? Well, is anybody in here a guy that really likes girls or you just messed up? I slam wood. You know, I'd be real like, you better make sure she's okay. And that's what Jesus was saying. There's something about this. There's this woman. I'm going to just tell you guys, there's a woman. And y'all got to make sure you stay here so this woman, this second Eve can be created. The second woman. Okay, are y'all with me? So Adam foreshadowed a woman coming out of him. Now Jesus was about to do the same. You see the foreshadowing? Adam slept. God took something out of Adam and created a woman. That was just a picture of what God was doing right now, you know, during this time. It was a foreshadowing. There was, a, a, there was another woman that had to be created, just like this woman had to be created. I hope you all are with me. So the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the birth of the, of the church, that's who the second woman is, Jesus' bride. That's that's who the second woman, and if Jesus is the second man, the church has got to be the second woman because the first woman died with Adam. She was dead because she was part of Adam. Are y'all with me? I know you ain't probably ever heard. I have never heard of this before. But you never heard? Of, well, this is what I happened. I was saying, oh, Lord, I ain't really got no Easter message. Somehow, somehow, I don't really have anything to say. I mean, I'm scratch. You know, you scratch around the Bible hoping God speaks to you, and then He started talking to me about this, and thinking. I've never heard anybody preach this before. I'll just do it. And this is what I want to say to you. The church is an integral part of God's plan on the earth, just like Jesus' death, Jesus' virgin birth, that list of things I gave you. All those are an integral part of what God's doing on the earth. It was real important for us to come into being on Pentecost. It was a, it's, an, it's an important thing. We are here today because we are... An, we are an integral part of what God wants to do in the earth today, now, right now. And it always has been like that, and it always will be, until it be like that until he returns. Okay? That's, that's. So, I just said that. So, not trying to say that the birth of the church was more important than the resurrection, but what was more important? The resurrection of the virgin birth. You know? Uh, what was more important? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit of the cross. I mean... They were all, you know, we can't make that determine. They're all part, integral to what God did, so they're all important. So the answer would be to those questions, yes, which is the most important, yes. Uh, you know, only God could say it. So here we are 2,000 years later. The day of Pentecost happened. This baby church, this baby woman, unlike, uh, you know, Eve who was just created and there was this grown, you know, beautiful woman, you know, real crude, and, oh, my gosh, look at this beautiful woman. She has no clothes on, and, you know, and I don't have any clothes on, and, you know, that's, it was a great day. They were already adults, yeah, and we're ending that discussion. You know, because we don't want you all to be thinking stuff you shouldn't be thinking in church, right? <laughs> but you already are thinking stuff in church because you brought it in here, so we're all, it just tells us the truth. But that's how that happened. But you see, Jesus had to be born as a baby, you see what I'm saying? He came in this world as an infant. He came through the birth canal of a, of a woman named Mary. Well, the, the, the uh, um, woman, she came through the birth canal of the Holy Spirit. He birthed her, and she was this little infant baby. And if you go back and read the account, it was always, I imagine, that Peter's message was he was like a midwife when he was telling her, This is what's going on, this is what's happening. It was like a midwife trying to birth this baby into the earth, this baby that was going to grow up and marry. You know, Jesus, His bride, this woman, this important woman has suddenly come. You know, and there was a big commotion there, you know, when, when it happened. You know, things happened. It was, a, you know, a great day that this baby was born. This baby girl, sweet baby girl, was born into the earth. She's the church. She was us. And she was wonderful. And we loved her. We read about her. and We want to be like her, right? That's what we want. Oh, man, if we could just get back to that. But here we are two thousand years later, right? Two thousand years. Here's this baby woman, literally. This baby woman is you know, I'm feeling sort of old now. It's, I'm old. I feel old. I'm tired. My back hurts. I'm grandma. I'm something happened in my life. I started out with a bang. Look at me now. I'm just feeble. Got enough Botox and collagen. You know, in tummy tucks, facelifts, you know, wigs, dye, you name it. Whatever it takes to make her look good on the outside, she tries to look good. But when nobody's looking, she's like this. Oh man, these young people are driving me crazy. What in the world is wrong with them? Can't they see? I just, I'm too old to care anymore. They bored with me, and I'm bored with them. We all just bored because I'm old. I'm ready to go. That's the way we act. That's what we really was really happening with this wonderful baby girl. She's grown up and got old. But there's something in this baby girl. Somebody said not to throw the cane. I didn't throw it. Some, the, there's something in the baby girl that's crying out. Because deep down inside this baby girl, she's not an old woman. She's not really old. This baby girl is pumping with life. She's alive, but she feels like she's in this old body. And they say, I don't know. We can ask some old people. I don't consider myself to be one of them yet. I mean, I hope I get to be one of them unless the Lord returns. But you say, old people say, I don't feel old on the inside. I feel young. But somehow my body just can't make that extra step that it used to make. I mean, I don't... I know I've lost a step, man, and I can't do what I did when I was 20, but I think I could probably still take most 20 year olds. Because <laughs> I picked up a little wisdom along the, along the way, Nathan. You know, it's called run, cut and run. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But there's really something crying out in us that's saying, This ain't me. We want to look good. We've tried all these different things to make ourselves look good, try to change ourselves, but it's all an outward thing. There's something in us just begging to get out, begging to say, that baby girl, that's what she was meant to be. You go back to the origin of the thing, you can find out what it's really meant to be. Okay? So here's one thing I'm feeling is, uh, you know, I just, just want to try to reply everything I just said to you. I, I personally feel like that God is really dealing with His people right now big time. I mean, some, I have never been around people who've been so dogged stirred or so dogged crushed. There's people that stirred. there's people that's crushed, there's some people that doors are being just flat slammed in their face. I mean, they were heading down the road and all of a sudden they run into this door and their nose was pressed into their face. And then there's other people, they were just leaning and the door opened and they fell into something of God that was wonderful. And then you get some people where they got both happening, doors shut, doors open, crushed and blessed. I mean... So we got this, and you get it. It's everywhere you go. You're talking to people, and there's something spiritual happening that seems wonderful or it may seem negative to the person. You hear what I'm saying to you? And I believe it's because God is trying to stir in this woman, the the church. He's trying to stir in her. He's trying to wake something up in her and bring something out in her. And it's hard, it's difficult, you know, for her to go through this. But we're, we're going through it, Okay? And I believe there's this thing, and I don't know, somebody may have already said this or something like this about this term, emerging church. But I believe it's the right term. There's an emerging church. There's a different church. There's an emerging church that's going to rise up, which will be radically different from the church as we know it. Radically different. And this emerging church, the reason it's going to be radically different is because it's going to discover that she is not how she feels. She is not an old woman. She is not Grandma. She's not Grandma. She's really not. And, that, and God is going to raise this church up. That's what all the stirring's about. He's going to raise this church up, this emerging church, this thing that's inside of us. And if you get real and you get away from everything, you get away from what you think, what you believe, and you sit down and get quiet with God, you will know there's something in you that ticks in you and cooks in you and that yearns to be released. And that's that baby church inside of you. Won't listen, I'm not supposed to be this. I'm not supposed to be in a grandma body. You know, it will, we will return to our true, true roots. I believe this. Now, turn to Ephesians 5. We'll read this. Man. Are y'all with me on this? Ephesians 5, verse 27. 25. And, of course, we know this. These are the great instructions... From Paul to husbands and wives. Um, you know, recently, I, I got to do something that was real cool, I thought. First time we ever did. Pastor Noah asked us to go to his, he had a leadership retreat, and he asked Becky and I to go and speak to the couples about, you know, being in leadership, husband and wife together. And it's the first time Becky and I had ever done anything together, so, so What are we going to tell them? <laughs> you know, what do you have to say? So this. Let's just tell them what we know to be real, things that God's taught us. So we, we had a list of 50. We only forgot one thing that we really should have told them that we forgot to tell them. We'll, we'll make sure they get that one, because that one's really important. But um, it was just um, really cool to get to do something with Becky like that, you know, to really get to talk, to do do something to, like tag team, say stuff and her. And so I really want to encourage, you know, men that have wives and wives that have husbands that, you know, to get an opportunity to be able to do something together spiritual Spiritually, is really something fun to do, you know, because God did make us one. And um, it's just, to me, it was more fulfilling to me than me just standing there by myself in any way. Um, but anyway, this just reminded me of that. Paul said, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved... Christ loved the church. Everybody say Christ loved the church. He's in love with Grandma. (laughs) He really is. And gave himself for her. See, that's what the Bible's talking about. He gave, not only did he not give his, he gave himself for the sins of the world, for sure, for lost people. Of course, that's how we get to be the church, we get saved. But it also says he gave himself for the church. You know, that's what it says. He gave himself for the church. And I will admit I am very biased about the church, because I love the church. I don't care if it's not good. I still love it. God gave me a love for the church. And you think, you know, if you're going to be in real ministry, you better, if you don't really have a love for the church, you won't really get very far, I don't believe. You've got to love her. And God gives us a love for her. So that's a real key to know if God's really, truly called you, do you really love the church even though she's looking sort of ugly right now? (laughs) Because I don't love the way we are. I'm frustrated with the way we are, Honestly. But then he said that he might sanctify, and the word sanctify means to set apart, that he might set her apart. And that's really what the Lord's going to do, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word. And that's not talking about sin there because the blood is for the sin. He's talking about revelation there. And I believe that God is going to release a new revelation of the Scripture to us. We are like, we have bumped the wall on revelation. If you, th- if you hear most preaching, but we ain't really hearing, man, we got to go to the next level. I mean, you've heard all that, and, you know, and we've heard different twists. On, but I believe God is going to release a, some revelation to the church that will renew us and make us young again. And we will see ourselves as being young. But it's not just the same old, same old. It is revelation from God, where all of a sudden a scripture like, oh my gosh, That means so much more than I ever thought it meant. There's a new meaning to it. Not that it was ever new. It was always there. It's just God uncovers these things for us. I believe God's going to do that for the church. I believe that's how he's going to begin to renew the church is by bringing us to a higher level of revelation. And we are due for it. Honestly, we are very due for some, some new revelation in the Word of God. I'm talking about in the Word of God. I'm not talking about some outside of God experience like in... But I'm talking about where the Scriptures are taught and preached and the understanding of the people all of a sudden goes up significantly beyond what we have seen in the past. I believe it's going to happen. In fact, I'm holding out for that to happen because I believe that's how God sets us apart. And He says uh, that He might present her to Himself a glorious church. That is our destiny. That's why this thing cries out in us because we are supposed to be glorious. And we don't feel glorious. We don't look glorious. But there's this glory that's coming from the Lord. And I really believe it. It's right here, black and white. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And of course, spot or wrinkle, you know, i got eight spots on my hands. You know, i got some wrinkles here. You know, your body starts decaying. Your hair starts falling out. You know, <laughs> you, know you get grayness in your facial hair. Grace was saying, man... Old people get little when they get old. They start getting little. That's what she was saying yesterday about her grandmas. They get little. They quit growing. They start shrinking. And that's what happens when you get old. But the Lord's saying, no, we will not be little. We will be renewed. We will refresh. And we will grow and become something we've never... We won't have bone loss. Uh, we will, our bones will actually grow. Uh, so, let me just on down here. This is one that I feel like the Lord's saying... To us, God is calling us to be faithful stewards to help Grandma stop being Grandma. That's what we need to do. We need now. Here's the greatest picture I saw it saw it this morning. Okay, we have two dogs. They're Jack Russell Terriers. Aaron bought a Jack Russell Terrier puppy and brings this puppy over to the house this morning. Drops it off. Everybody's oh the puppy. You know how puppies are. Everybody loves puppy. Well, our two dogs, Brittany and Chelsea. Brittany, who's the mother, the old mama, she's white-headed now, so offended about this puppy, really offended at this puppy because this puppy comes in, she's not scared. You know, of course, we got Grace walking around threatening the dogs not to be mean to her. The puppy's peeing all over the house. But it's like, man, that's the way we've become like Brittany. These young puppies, and we're sitting up there grouchy at them, looking at them like, what are you doing here? You know, <laughs> we're old, and we're not like that. That puppy's running around the house, bouncing and jumping and barking and peeing and making a mess for somebody to clean up. That's what young, a young person does. They make mess. But God brings them to the church to try to tell the church, You're old! Wake up! And we sit there and look at them like, You're messed up. You're gonna, don't, what are you doing on my turf? You know, and snap at of them. And, You know, the Lord actually sends them to to us to help us to realize that we're old and we shouldn't be because we see something in them that cries out to that thing in us, that speaks to that thing in us. And and we really need to become. And then finally, Chelsea, who's Brittany's child, which she's older, finally started warming up because we call Chelsea the eternal puppy because she always acts like a puppy. And she finally figured out this is the way I'm supposed to be. You know, jumping around, not peeing on the floor. <laughs> and I want to encourage the old woman will begin to dream dreams and see visions, as promised. You know, old men are not supposed to have dreams. You know, I'm dreaming about tomorrow. They're oh, they're thinking, you know, just let me get through this deal and leave me alone. But the old woman's going to start having dreams again. I'm talking about the church. She's going to start dreaming things and seeing things, as promised. It's promised. God's promised that to the church. He's promised that we would dream dreams and see visions, and that he would really... uh, Let me give you that. We would really become that. And so I want to encourage everybody in here. There's so much heresy out there now about the church. Oh, you don't need the church. You know, the church shouldn't assemble. All this stuff you hear about. It's all a bunch of lies. It's lies they dealt with in the New Testament. Um... Don't do it. Church, it dis- I mean, I'm not going to say this because would, everybody would be mad, but you, mean, you could almost say if you reject the church, you're rejecting the resurrection because they're both part of God's plan for the earth. And I just want to encourage us to start seeing the church the way the Lord sees the church. It's a glorious church. I'm not talking about just this church. I'm talking about the body of Christ. This is not a plug for coming to church. This is a plug for the church, the real body of Christ, the real bride of Christ, for us to really see ourselves like that and become that. And so, amen. Let's become that second woman. Let's really become that second woman. And And here, here's something the Lord gave me. I wanted just to share this with, with our church to tell you something the Lord did say to me to, to say to you. And this can apply individually too. Is... I feel like the Lord said this, that He really wanted to bless us and um, give, a, give us an increase. Okay, but this is what He said. This is how you, you stay safe. He said, Whatever you do, and this is what he, the Lord's saying to us as a church whatever you do in this life that is of God, it is God and not you. It's not you. Do not think so highly of yourself, no matter how prominent how great God uses you. Now, you can apply that to yourself personally. I believe the Lord was saying it to the church. And I think God wants to say, you know, He's warning us. He's warning us. Don't be thinking highly of yourself. If God uses you, it's God. It's not you. The moment you start thinking it's you, you're in trouble. And you're going down. Amen? So, I, you know, I could share a lot more now. I'm not... Don, we're going to share communion now. And Don... Don Casperson is going to come and lead us in that. Thank you, Lord, for Don Casperson. Amen. So we're going to have communion. I think the worship team, are you all going to come back up? And as Don gets ready, let me just say this, as much as Don gets ready, like he's got to get ready. I felt like, this is what I felt. You know that song we were singing, New Creation, earlier? Are you all going to sing that song? Is that what you all doing now? Yeah. This is what the Lord was showing me as we were singing that song. For the first time in my Christian life, it was like I saw heaven on earth for just a moment. And all the things that we're saying, they're all 100% true. The gospel, it's like the gospel was 100% true. You hear what I'm saying to you? And I feel like the Lord wants to say, well, no matter how you feel or what you believe this morning, it doesn't matter. Because it's 100% true. And, and it is heaven on earth right now for us. God will take your life and make it into something different if you will believe Him and accept it's the truth. And there is a reality of walking on heaven and earth. There really is.
0: Philippians 3.10 That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection being made uh, the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. Between the Last Supper and the Resurrection, there was the Garden and the Cross. Uh, This is something for you personally. Uh, Jesus had to go through the Garden. The fellowship of His sufferings begins in the Garden. Many of you have been stuck in the Garden for years because of fear of death. You know, it says that people all their lives have been held... (laughs) In captivity to sin because of the fear of death and one thing is certain there has never been anybody who has known the power of resurrection who hasn't died first so if we want the power of his resurrection we have to stay in the garden one of the things we find in our lives if we're going nowhere is that we keep on leaving the garden You know, Jesus could have left the garden. The disciples were all asleep. The soldiers were coming. When Judas got there, who would have known where he was? And that's what we do. We keep on leaving the garden of our sufferings and coming back to it instead of staying. Okay. So, uh, as we go to communion, the thing I'd like to have a vision for this week is there may be something in your life right now where you just have to Say, Lord, I'm going to stay in the garden. I'm going to go to the cross because I, the power of your resurrection is on the other side. Very, very important. And this happens over and over in the cycle of our lives. And we come to another place and we find ourselves back in the garden and we can walk out of it and come back to the same circumstances all over again. Or we can go to the cross with Him and come out in the power of His resurrection. As we take of the, par- uh, the communion, it's very important to see our part in all of it. When I, when I take the bread and I put it between my teeth, I've Lord has shown me, reminds me over and over again, He was broken for me. That's what this is all about. And as my teeth break into the bread... I am confessing that He was broken for me. That's why the Scripture says that those who eat of the communion disrespectfully, they, they, they give, bring condemnation upon themselves. And the same thing, when I take of the wine there, I'm saying His blood was shed for me. If you've never made that a reality in your life, right now is the perfect time to do it. And we're coming forth now to say He was broken for us, He shed His blood for us, He was risen for us, and in Him we can come forth in newness of life in the resurrection power that is brought forth by this. And I just pray, Lord, just bless it, Lord. Bless Your Word. Bless this communion. Bless the people who partake of it, Lord. And work the great power of your redemption through it. Amen.